So my idea with this is one, I feel like there's a lot of talk of burnout with behavior analysts and I don't feel like it's talked about as much. It's starting to come up like, yes, we have high levels of burnout. Yes, we should do self-care, but the practicality of what does that mean for us as practitioners? I feel like the more that we talk about it, the more I listen to other people talk about it, then it becomes just more natural for us to talk about it as part of supervision and a part of professional development. So my idea is interviewing behavior analysts and kind of going through from a behavior analytic lens, what is self-care and putting it out into the world to see how that might support other people. Kind of the gist of everything. We are now talking to Gina Cross, and I would love for you to introduce yourself, kind of talk about what your current roles and responsibilities are as a behavior analyst, maybe how you would describe yourself, if there's preferred pronouns that you use, kind of just a picture of like who you are as a behavior analyst right now. Okay. So I'm Gina, <laughs> and I am a clinician with um, Trump Behavioral Health. So I have been a BCBA, oh Jesus, um, 2020, so about five years now. And my roles and responsibilities are more so just providing in-home ABA therapy and so providing that supervision <clears throat> for um, about, I would say, a, a medium-sized caseload across the area of Houston. I am providing supervision to individuals who are also seeking out their certification um, to become a BCBA, as well as supervising various RBTs. Okay. So in that realm, what would you say mm -hmm. your biggest work stressor is? <laughs> and, there's no, and feel free if you want to drop F-bombs or whatever, there's no filter. <laughs> I think even from, because I, I even thought about this, I like anticipated some questions that you might ask. <laughs> like, um, and I think one that has always been a work stressor for me is probably report writing. Um, I think definitely report writing, of course, has like come a long way since I started because a lot of things are a lot more electronic in terms of like you're able to pull graphs quicker and all of those things so quote unquote makes it better but <laughs> it doesn't make it better <laughs> like, so you're still kind of working through those kinks um, I think that's my biggest stress and I would say even combining that with like a change in season I like to call it the change in season so basically when we're going to summer like you know kids are getting out of school in this case a lot of kids were not in school so, yeah. um, and then a lot of those families are going back to school and so of course this year is that anomaly it's, it's totally different because a lot of families are really thinking about, do I want to send my child back to school? And so it's a constant conversation of how do we support these families on top of 
the services that we're providing right now? How do we help them figure out and navigate where they're going to be, especially if they decide, okay, we're going to do in-home and we really need that support because our child can't do one-on-one work. Um, So all of those things are kind of stresses by I would definitely say the biggest one is the report writing still (laughs) I I mean it's such an interesting point of choosing like now actually choosing to do in-home services more full-time than school because with distant learning for a lot of classrooms our Mm -hmm. students are losing that one-to-one paraprofessional Mm -hmm. support so the parents are seeing a little bit more benefit in ABA too. Mm. But yeah, I don't think you're alone in those stressors. With <laughs> sure. Okay, so as we kind of dive into this conversation about self-care, what would you say your learning history is with self-care? So like context of maybe you growing up and like your family, like emphasis on self-care, no emphasis on self-care. What does that look like for you? I would definitely say growing up there's no emphasis of that in terms of self-care it was my my biggest role model was my mom and you know outwardly she would take care of herself like she'd be that person that always got her hair and her nails done but she was never that person that really took care of like the emotional work um or even just dealt with how she was feeling or all of those things in terms of self-care and how to deal with work. I never saw that as a model. So going into adulthood and having my first jobs, I think, I even think back to my experience at ABC and you were kind of that bigger teacher um, of like, it's important to give yourself a break. (laughs) And so those are things that I kind of hold on to of like, okay, you, you can like stop like you can take a break um when it becomes too much and allowing yourself to not feel guilty about that Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day it's only going to be you (laughs) um you have to be able to live with yourself and deal with yourself emotionally and just kind of like mentally because otherwise you will kind of go through a situation where you're just end up like checking out and having those states of burnout and it it spills over not just in one area but in all areas and so just kind of being able to work antecedently kind of thinking about okay like how can I prevent this from blowing up in my face? Yeah. Um, because I think for me, I've had that like several times um, over. I think about my experience when I was in California to even now of like, okay, I didn't do what I was supposed to do. So now I'm doing the work and, and figuring out, okay, okay, this is what I needed to do differently. This is what I need to stop just allowing myself to, you know, have that time yeah. and not overwork myself. But it it's always been like that kind of self-talk of like, you have to keep going. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, you have to keep going and you have to push through like what you're feeling. Because I also, on the flip side of things, my dad is that, that type of person that never acknowledged how he's feeling and 
he's he's my biggest cheerleader but he's also that person that you don't want to disappoint yeah. um, and so I think for me I always had in my head that voice of it's not okay for you to stop you have to get this done you have to get this done or you you messed up so that's a problem and so kind of you know, taking those things, dealing with even the failures of those situations and moving past it as opposed to holding on to it. Yeah. Well, and I, I think, I mean, the, you mentioned guilt and I think we're behavior analysts, I think for a reason and that we want to help other people. Yeah. But second, we're like, okay, let's take a breath for ourselves that there is that, like our job is never done, even though we mm-hmm. have quote unquote working hours, like we could fill an entire week without any sleep of things to do for our clients. So I think the guilt is something that I know I felt. Um, mm-hmm. so, so that's definitely um, a thing to, to think about in terms of like how guilt and the way that we perceive ourselves impacts our ability to care for mm-hmm. ourselves. Yep. Okay. So if you were to operationally define self-care for yourself, how would you define it? What would it look like? Hmm. That's a hard one. <laughs> um, What's your definition? <laughs> I think right now, because it's over, it's constantly evolving for me. So right now I'm going through a period of my life where I would absolutely define it as, okay, stopping, you know, at a certain time, having a hard deadline of, okay, I'm taking a break and I'm, I'm not going to work past this time. I would say even like actually taking the time to talk to other people, not necessarily about your problems, but almost like to have that relationship with others. Because I think for me, it's so easy when you're in the swing of things and you get really busy and even just personally, you're getting overwhelmed, but you can't express that. To neglect others and so I've had conversations even with friends of mine like even non-behavior um, analysts talking to them of like okay this is what I feel like I feel like I've been a bad friend to you because I've neglected you and um and so I think that would just be in that operational definition of like actually reaching out to someone and like calling that person or texting them taking how you're feeling out of that because it it, yes your feelings are always going to be there and you can address that but you can't stew in them you can't stay in this place because you're always going to be stuck and so you can't forget about the ones that you care about um in those situations so I think that's a a big part of self-care as as well as like I said having those strict, strict deadlines yeah um of like okay I, I gotta stop <laughs> yeah. I gotta go to sleep I gotta eat <laughs> yeah yeah I think that's a great point because I when maybe the general population talk about self-care there's that I think the immediacy of like well I'm gonna take a bubble bath and I'm gonna get a mani-pedi but self-care is about relationships and is about mm-hmm. other different, um, I guess what I would say, like response classes of the way that mm-hmm. we care for ourselves by connecting with others, whether that's friends, extra support and help, or spiritually, religiously, like all of those different facets. 
are connected to self-care too within that. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the deadline. The deadline's always good for everybody, I think, in this field. <laughs> okay, behavior analysts, like, do that. So if you were to, like, what are some of the topographies of self-care that you engage in? Like, what's your repertoire of self-care look like? Well, I think actively turning off my work phone. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> I turn off my work phone now at least like every day <laughs> like, oh my gosh i want to like high five you through the computer gina i'm that was <laughs> i knew it oh. <laughs> congratulations but I, think, <laughs> but I think for me i used to and like i go through these periods where i don't i leave it on and you know but um I would say definitely having a separate device now like really helps because okay. I just I, I turn it off and I don't turn it back on until the morning. So that's that's my biggest one right now because it is it's very satisfying even if I have like emails I'm like okay you're turning it off We'll address these in the morning. <laughs> and then I would say another thing I do. I think I'm in the midst of kind of a report season, so this is an ever struggling thing for me. But <laughs> also kind of setting like, okay, you have to get a certain number of hours of sleep. Um, so mm -hmm. saying, okay, you know what? Like we're gonna stop at this time. Like, even if it's past, like, the time I would normally work, you know, doing reports, I'm going to, like, actually get sleep. I'm not going to neglect that part because a big part of my job is driving. And so I can't, like, not be alert right. <laughs> on the road just because I decided I was going to stay up and, like, write two reports, you know. So kind of being mindful of those things. And another thing that kind of has, like, it helps me, um, but it's not, like, necessarily work-related, but it helps me in work is I do the dishes at night. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> so, um, like, I sometimes I'll leave dishes in the sink. And for me, because of the way I grew up, my mom is very much like a, you wash the dishes after dinner kind of thing and so mm -hmm. I don't get to them right after dinner but <laughs> but I'm like okay before you go on the bed you need to like wash these dishes and, and it helps me because I wake up and I'm like oh, like I've got a clean kitchen right. so I can go and have my coffee without being like oh okay I have I already have these 10 other things that are waiting for me maybe in my inbox or the things I need to get done before I have to go to my first client but I also have to do the dishes like no that's not something that I you know do um, or have to worry about when I do my dishes yeah um and then also like taking that time it gives me that extra time back because I get to take the time to have my coffee uh -huh. and like you know write my emails as opposed to spending an extra 10 minutes in my kitchen washing dishes. <laughs> Do you find, is there anything else that you kind of would say like, oh, I feel like this is like personal self-care, but you see that carry over to how it affects your work? 
um, balance with everything. So whether um, maybe it is some of that connection stuff or, um, you know, connecting with spiritual leaders or anything like that, like anything mm -hmm. that you feel like personally, like, oh, when this falls to the side, my self-care personally is falling off so that carries over to work. Mm -hmm. Um, that's a good question. I think I've been listening to a lot of like, like audiobooks. And so one thing I realized even today, like was, um, when I kind of step away from like God, you know, in my time with God, cause I used, I would have it, especially when I'm not as busy with work. Like I carve out the first, you know, 10, 15 minutes of my day, like I would be reading my Bible, but when it's really busy, I'm very much like, okay, wake up, let's go. <laughs> uh, or trying to get that extra five minutes of sleep because I have, you know, you know, 15 things I have to get done before the end of the day. Right. Um, so one thing I have noticed is that that does fall to the way, when that falls to the wayside, everything else kind of seems like it's in disarray. Um, and so I have been trying to like be more mindful of that. And I have like friends that are very good at like reminding me or even whether I want to listen to it or not. Because <laughs> like, I, I would say like my best friend, she's very like, She's like, she and I are very similar in that, you know, her birthday is the day before mine. So she, she knows, she, she and I have kind of the same mindset. And so she's always like, you know, you should be reading this or you do this. And she's always sharing these things. I'm like, no. <laughs> I don't have time for that. Yeah. Yeah, but it helps me. Because when I get over myself, then I'm like, you know what, I, I think I need to do that. Because you're right, that has fallen to the wayside. Everything else is in disarray. Yeah. So, yeah, for sure. That's something that I, I have noticed as well, too. Yeah. What would you say some of, like, your antecedents are for, oh, what, I need to, like, I need to engage in self-care. What's your SD? What's your, you know, what signals reinforcement is available for your self-care? <laughs> um, oh, that's a good question. I don't, I don't think I've quite identified those, but I do, I think I figure it out when it's a little too late. <laughs> like, not, I haven't quite been able to pinpoint, like, oh, this is a slippery slope. No, I'm okay. already down the hill. Like, okay. so. Okay. Um, going, next time I'll get you in. <laughs> <laughs> like, next time we won't do that again. Like, um, but I think for me, because I've gotten to periods where I'd be like, I'll get so busy, I don't or whatever it is, and I'm like, you can't do that, <laughs> like, but um, I will say, like, certain antecedents of, like, when I know I need to stop is, like, if I've gone at least two or three days without, like, really sleeping well, mm -hmm. or even talking to, like, my mom, <laughs> okay. yeah, because okay. my mom is very much, like, <laughs> she's very much like I'm worried about you <laughs> like, I've been hurt for you two days yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> so um I think definitely those are some some things and like those are some signals of like you need to get your life together you need to slow down <laughs> okay okay so with the sleep because um do you have like if you were to write a task analysis for your sleep routine to like ensure that like okay these are the steps for my self-care sleep routine even mm -hmm. if it's messy like what would what would maybe that that look like what would your steps oh. steps for sleep routine self-care look like Hmm. That's like three questions. Cause I think it, it varies from like day to day. Cause um <laughs> Sundays are like my wash day. So like Sundays are automatically guaranteed I'm gonna have very uncomfortable sleep because I have rollers in my hair. So um but I would say definitely like during the week of, you know, a TA for that would be surely watching something that I love, like something that makes me laugh, like before bed. Um, and, you know, having it kind of uh, dark, me being relaxed for at least an hour. Uh, so like I'm laying down um, for an hour and doing nothing <laughs> like not looking at work phones and not look not even I think not even looking at like my personal emails or looking on things that are going to get me like escalated and I say escalated like I'm going to be upset like the news maybe <laughs> like not looking at the news not looking at um things that are going to make me upset um, and then I would say definitely if I'm beating my, I have like this setting where it kind of goes dark on my phone at a certain time because uh -huh. it's telling me, oh, you have to get seven hours of sleep. <laughs> You're supposed to wake up at this time. Right. Um, and so if I'm beating that, now that's, that's a great sign. <laughs> um, I would definitely say like around like 10 o'clock if I'm like, you know, comfortable around 10 o'clock and I have like, you know, everything good to go. Like dishes are washed. Cause that, that would probably be the first thing on the PA. Like dishes are washed. <laughs> and then I'm in the bed, like doing nothing. Yeah. Um, and then I would probably say watching that television show is probably like, either before doing nothing or, you know, just laying there in bed or like, you know, right next to it, like you're yeah. doing that at the same time. Um, and then, you know, lights off at 1030. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so, okay, so the, yes, TV news, it's never great. Uh, <laughs> but when you like, have you started to realize like, okay, when I start to feel this like escalation or this frustration in my body, um, I guess like depending on where you feel it in the body, is that ever an antecedent to engage in different types of self-care? Mm. Yes. Yes. So um I have something about like when multiple things happen at the same time like it might be 
you know, work situation of, okay, you know, things are getting rough with three different families or whatever, or I might have two different reports that are coming up or, you know, this deadline is coming up or whatnot. Plus, you know, it might be a, uh, a family situation or a friend situation or whatnot. Combined with that, like I get like this overwhelming feeling <laughs> I'm like numb <laughs> like okay. but I'm like really anxious like but I'm also numb to it like I'm just like everything's passing by like but, that almost like frozen feeling like not fighting, yep. like you're freezing and kind yep. of okay <laughs> that's exactly I think of it as the it's past fight or flight so yeah. think about like if someone is coming at you like that that kid that's like engaging in high self-interest behavior and they're super aggressive like you almost have to numb yourself to deal like to do what you're doing because your adrenaline is so high I have to like protect myself but also keep them safe you know and so it's the same feeling I would almost categorize that in is like okay I'm in this point of like I'm so up there I can't even see beyond the trees <laughs> I can't see what's going on or what I need to do next um and so when I feel that way um that's when I realize I'm like oh this is a problem <laughs> this is a problem <laughs> we gotta fix something so because like go-to self-care in that moment maybe oh it takes me a while I will admit this it takes me a while to get there um in terms of like getting to the point where I can realistically do self-care because I think I had to actually I'm gonna be honest a truth moment of I had to get a therapist um recently because um, I felt like, okay, I'm constantly going through these same situations. I'm not dealing with what I'm feeling. And then eventually the kind of, I would say the cloud would almost lift. <laughs> like, and I don't know how exactly I'm getting there, but like one day it's a little bit better, but I'm not able to vocalize exactly how I'm feeling. Yeah. Um, and so now I would say what is what helps me is almost like when I'm in that moment because I had to do this because my therapist caught me on on it she was like I heard from you in two weeks <laughs> and I was like it's like <laughs> so so I was just like okay like these are the things I'm feeling even now this is what I'm feeling and I just want to know what I can do to get past it and so you know, I I even said this to her of like, we talk about with our kids coping strategies, but I don't have my own. <laughs> and so, like, um, one thing I thought about was okay, I do I can do deep breaths, but I can't like just dismiss my feeling. And so, um, right now, how I'm getting to cope is like okay, I need to access like I need to start deep breathing I need to talk about what I'm feeling with someone I feel safe with whether it's just one person or three people but for me it's more so that one person yeah. that I feel in that moment that is not judging but just listening right. um and then so being able to explain 
Like, this is how I'm feeling. Um, and even if they don't say it's okay for you to feel that, you have to say it's okay for me to feel that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it's more so for me that acceptance now has become like my biggest thing of I have to accept this is how I feel and then move past it like but don't you know don't stick in it (laughs) well thank you for your moment of honesty I mean (laughs) hold on I'm gonna turn on the light yeah go for it um (laughs) I I mean we're helping profession yeah and um, I myself have had to reach out for a therapist for levels of burnout and stress related to work and personal situations. And I think that's also that level of self-care that, no, I think in general, no one in the public likes to be like, well, I have a therapist. Uh, yeah. <laughs> especially in that like, I think too, being able to model something like that for supervisees, mm-hmm. such a strong quality and trait uh, to be able to balance those things too and understand. Mm-hmm. I don't have the coping tools that I need in this moment. So I need, I need this person to help me with these. And I think that it, it's just that other kind of layer of self-care too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, well, thank you for sharing that, Gina. <laughs> of course. I think definitely you kind of bring up a really good point of like as behavior analysts it's it's almost not it's it feels like it's taboo to mention that you have a therapist or even reach out to someone who is a therapist because then you're like why can't you solve your own problem kind of thing you're gonna get mentalistic with your (laughs) (laughs) you know right struggle with that as a science I mean like I've had my like things happening in the body like no one wants to talk about that as another behavior analyst exactly exactly and I think too but then even I've almost had to like kind of go through this whole thing of it it being a double double whammy of like okay you're a behavior analyst and you're black <laughs> because it's it's very like I will say for my own family of like nobody talks about that <laughs> and I I think I've only told like maybe two or three people about that of like this is what I am doing to get through these things because it it has been difficult you know and I would say of course the pandemic like you know, if you don't have a therapist, you probably need one. <laughs> um, but even my own, like, situations, like, you know, with work and, like, personal things of, like, trying to navigate those in my mind and not just dismiss it. Um, because I, I'm i really big now on the thought of, like, what is the purpose in my life, you know? and not just my purpose as a behavior analyst, but then also what is my purpose as like a woman? And, you know, kind of who am I in this world? Um, And so if I can't deal with those things, it's pushing me further and further away from my purpose. Um, And so those are the things that I was just like, okay, you got to just suck it up and figure it out. Yeah. 
So one of the questions that I wanted to kind of build into this conversation was about culture and privilege and, and mm-hmm. as an aspect of where that fits in for self-care. So being as you identify as a Black woman, um, where do you see self-care showing up as privilege? Where do you mm-hmm. see that it's impacting um, in different cultural settings? Like, I would love to hear your perspective on that. Oh, that's good. I, I like that. Um, huh. I would say it varies because, you know, you, from an economic standpoint, like, I would say a lot of people would think my my home life was very privileged. I had two parents that were very well off. You know, I wouldn't say we were rich by standards, but I would say, like, we did well. Um, my parents both worked for General Motors and, you know, they were kind of high up. My mother was an engineer and my father um, was a facilities director. Um, and so he, they both had like well-to-do incomes. And I think um, with that comes the luxury of if you wanted to be able to, you know, have a therapist and pay for those things. Um, and so um I think as a culture kind of looking at okay that divide of okay is this still accessible even with the money that you make you know what I'm saying and so kind of even thinking about like um the acceptance of like okay I don't always need to have my hair done I don't always need to have my nails done um and even that thought process of something must be wrong because you don't have your nails done or you don't have your hair done and you're falling apart. Um, which <laughs> it's more, it's more than just that exterior. Um, because I think as a culture and just like, you know, as I would even say as a society of black individuals, like I think we don't, acknowledge how we actually feel and how things make us feel um and I I mentioned earlier about like my two parents who don't acknowledge those things um because I mean if I would have an a truly honest conversation I, I didn't have like the best like relationship with my dad growing up and it was more so because I felt like he wasn't listening to how I felt so I just was like, oh, no, we're not gonna. <laughs> My coping strategy would be like, okay, I'm just gonna remove myself. Yeah. And so you kind of remove yourself from the things that don't feel good. Um, and so now, kind of that acknowledge acknowledgement of like, okay, we need to have the grown up conversations. Like, and I don't mean like that in a provocative way, but like being honest with how we feel about certain situations, how we want to deal with different things. Because I think that's key in self-care of like, if you're constantly ignoring how you feel, how this other person feels, or even how different situations impact you, um, you're not taking care of yourself because you're denying and not acknowledging the things that make you you. Well, that's so lovely. Yeah. Yeah. You go I love that. What you just said, <laughs> what's uniquely you in those. Yeah. 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 
do you see like self-care privilege show up in the workplace differently from your perspective? Hmm. it depends because I, I mean I've had multiple experiences I would say um I would say like when I was in California it was very I would almost say like an equal balance of like you have to kind of you guys kind of really hone home of like you'll take care of yourself <laughs> no but see I think the biggest thing actually was like even though I would just be like annoyed with it, I'm not gonna lie. I would be annoyed, I'd be like, oh, like she's telling me I need to do this thing. I know I need to do it, but I don't want to do it. Like, but in hindsight, I still think about those things in your voice in my head, like, stop. Like, <laughs> like you need to take a break. <laughs> like, you need to do these things. Maybe you need to scroll on your Instagram for a hot second. Like, you know, like take a break. Um, and those things kind of go in my head because I'm always like, okay, I need to push through, I need to keep going, I need to go, I'm busy. But you can't be productive in the busyness if your mind is elsewhere, like your mind is everywhere. Like, <laughs> so, um, I would say definitely it just depends on where you work. Um, and in those situations, if that company or the culture of that company acknowledges the fact that everyone needs a break. <laughs> so, um, because at one point in time, you know, I'm gonna be honest, at one point in time I was a director and I will definitely say going from a supervisor to a director was like night and day. Like, you know, kind of that thought process of, thought process of oh, okay, yes, I'm going to have balance. Um, no, I did not have balance. <laughs> um, and even that expectation of when you're at home, uh, like, and I, I don't mean at home, like in my personal home, like here, but I mean, visiting my family, I'm still getting emails and calls and those times where you're supposed to be taking PTO, like everyone's like, oh, take your PTO, is, you know, it's yours to take. You could take that PTO, but those people, that's not a real thing. <laughs> they don't care if you're on PTO. Um, and so being mindful of, okay, this situation is overwhelming. What can I do to support you? Um, which I would say my current work situation is very, in the midst of all the crazy, everyone's still like, what can I do to support you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so I think that's awesome. Like, I think, because um, I've had this conversation with my mother, like, okay, I've only had maybe two experiences and where it was like, okay, everyone is still, no matter what they're doing, they have their own busy situations. And I would say, um, no matter what's going on, they will always be there to support me. And I would definitely say ABC was on the top of that. So you guys, you guys did a good job with that. Even if I was like, I was probably a brat about it. <laughs> <You're lovely supervisee. laughs> well, thanks. Um, okay. So as we're like kind of 
you know, thinking about self-care and maybe as a supervisor, mm-hmm. what do you think, like for anybody who listens to this, um, mm-hmm. what do you think would be one message that you would give them for self-care, whether it's an RBT, a future BCBA candidate, kind of mm-hmm. one message you think you could give to those people that we model these behaviors mm-hmm. for we supervise? Don't take the work home. That's it. (laughs) What's one practical tool for them to not do that? (laughs) I think um, because, of course, at at each level, it's going to be harder and harder to not take the work home. Um, But in those situations, like, of course, I can give you at the RBC level, okay. Then you leave that person's house or you leave in the center, you're leaving that school. If you're in school, um, you're not talking about that client. I, I think the biggest thing is like, whether it's a hard session or it's a great session, you're kind of leaving it at the door. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you're carrying it with you home, especially on those hard days, it sits with you. It sits on you and you're kind of like, okay, I can't let this go. <laughs> um, and even like thinking about, okay, my coping strategy of like, this is this is a hard day. I need to send a message to my supervisor and I'm just going to send it and I'm going to let her respond. <laughs> don't, don't wait until, you know, if your session was on Friday, don't wait until Sunday to send me the message. Like, <laughs> pursuing a BCBA or you know you are um you're a BCABA and you're pursuing a BCBA you're you're still kind of looking at it from a that same outlook but then also looking at okay in those busy times um because you might be working and going to school or you're trying to you know get your hours and and whatnot take that time to say I'm gonna have these 10 minutes to do nothing (laughs) or I'm gonna be on my schedule schedule time to do nothing Mm -hmm. yeah I think that's a big thing like I take those times of like okay I'm gonna you know sit here and I might like set a timer I do this when I do my hair this is why it takes me so long (laughs) so I might sit down and I'll be like okay 10 minutes I'm like and then I'm setting my timer and then the timer goes off I'm like all right get up (laughs) Um, just like our clients need timers sometimes (laughs) exactly yeah yep exactly it's if if i get a little like woo woo and bring my yoga training into it um yeah so in my yoga training for clearing energy and i'm doing uh-huh. it for anybody that's listening because we're this is not behavior analytic in nature but my mentors have always talked about like clearing energy so like you actually like oh. do hand movements to like rub your hands together like break energy and <laughs> get it (laughs) and it's like this whole process so it's funny to be like you know if I go somewhere with my yoga trainee ladies 
and we're like they're like oh my gosh there was bad energy there we need to leave it like the second we leave out of the door they're like okay <laughs> grab the hands clear the head <laughs> neck like it's all kinds of funny but it is finding a way whether it's physical movement whether it's mm-hmm. to when you're done with the session with the end point of your work transitioning into you you know mm-hmm. moment of like okay what what's going to help that transition that's a that's a great point mm-hmm. okay so in terms of self-care if the, is there a one question that you're like gee i really wish ashley would have asked this but that i haven't asked yet <laughs> what what would be if that was it I don't think I don't think so like I think you've asked some really good ones because I in my mind I was like okay I feel like she might ask me about the culture thing and (laughs) but uh no I don't I don't think so like I think definitely you kind of were really spot on of like how would you operationally define that like I think that was surprising in my mind because I'm like oh I don't know (laughs) As if, we, if we don't know how to define it, well, if we don't know how to do it, measure it, change it, all of those things. I mean, that's our, that's our starting point. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm like, okay, what does this look like? <laughs> like, what does this look like for me? Um, because I think even breaking it down of, like, my bedtime is, like, things that you don't think about. And you're like, oh, okay, like, it's a dead man can do it like it's not a behavior but but I'm like doing nothing like actively just laying there like yes a dead man can do it but you're breathing you're you know taking in what's like going on in your environment as opposed to letting everything pass you by <laughs> well even I mean I think in that instance not that we want to say we want to be a dead person, but, you know, we want to maybe replicate what a dead man can do. Um, and I'm just, it just came up to my mind that there's a, a behavioral re- relaxation training. There's like 10 oh. steps to, I think it's Poppin, Poppin, I forget the first name, Poppin like 87, I want to say. I could be completely off, but behavioral relaxation training. And there's 10 parts of the body that they go through to be in a, mm. a relaxed state that you could train clients, but not only for yourself of like, this is what my feet look like when they're relaxed. This is, so there's no movement like in the definition of it. And it's something okay. very similar to that too. Yeah. Okay. okay. Well, um, I really appreciate your honesty, your vulnerability and talking about self-care from all of these different perspectives. Um, and it's lovely to see your face because I feel like we haven't seen each other in like years, even though we connect in different ways. Um, I know. So I miss your big smile, so it's nice. <laughs> to um, Good seeing you as well. Thank yeah. you for having me. 